does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. More on the Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars discussion coming up. But joining us now on Quarry and Company, he is, of course, as you just heard, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Resounding win over Indiana State here in game number two for Tom Allen's group. Don Fisher joins us on the program. And, Don, I'll begin with this because I find it a little bit enigmatic, but you obviously would see it with a more nuanced eye. When you're going against Ohio State, you're going against a team that is obviously probably going to be superior to the vast of your schedule. And nothing against Indiana State at all, but obviously in Indiana State, a team that probably is not as competitive as those that you're going to see over the course of the Big Ten season. So with those two games already now in the past, do we still know anything more about Indiana than we did three weeks ago? (laughs) Well, the truth of the matter is, Jake, uh, I've said on a couple of different shows this morning that I do on a regular basis that we really don't know much of anything at this point other than the fact that Louisville will probably give us the test that we're all looking for uh, in regard to what kind of season this might be for this Indiana football team. And I really believe that. I think uh, uh, Louisville is kind of a ball club that they, they are very good offensively. They've got a really good defense. Jeff Brown, of course, is a coach that, as everyone knows, is probably as innovative as any coach in the country in regard to offense. And I just think it's going to be uh, the kind of test that Indiana needs to really figure out where they're at, what they need to do, what, what, what needs to get stronger and better. And then, of course, on top of that, you want to win this ball game and find a way to say, look, if we can knock off Akron, we're 3-1 and one going in to the regular conference portion of the schedule. And that would be really special. Don, with that, I think what we saw in you know game number two against Indiana State, my, my concern about Indiana and the Ohio State game was the old adage that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none, right? Like it's almost like more often than not, teams have success when they even when they have two really competitive quarterbacks where they just pick one and they roll with it. And listen, I thought Taven Jackson was outstanding against Indiana State, probably got that confidence and footing underneath him. And now it appears as though, in fact, it is not a two-quarterback race, but he is going to be the guy for Indiana. That's a, is that a correct statement? That is a correct statement because Tom Allen just had his Monday press conference and he announced that Taven Jackson will be the starter uh, going into the Louisville ball game. So and not just the starter, but he's the guy that they expect to play the entire contest. So Taven has won that job. Uh, based on the first two games of the season and all of fall camp and what they did during the spring and the summer, that type of thing. Um, he is, he obviously separated himself a little bit from Brendan Soresby. I, I guess I look at the, uh, from a positive perspective, I like the idea that they've got two guys so similar in what they're capable of doing and how they go about their business uh, that if one of them happens to get hurt, the other one is there to pick up the pieces in, in, a, in a similar way. And honestly, if you go back to last year and what Indiana went through last year and four different quarterbacks played, 
uh, actually five, if you want to count the walk-on that came in for a short period of time, uh, you don't want to have that situation occur. And injuries factored into last year, just like they have in the previous couple of years. So right now, you're just glad you've got two guys of equal talent. To that end, though, voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, nice enough to take some time with us here on Query and Company. To that end, though, Don, Coach Allen had said earlier this week, or post game rather, that you have to have a guy that's important, but you have to have more than one who you can play. And he feels like that they have that. Now they name Taven Jackson the starter. This felt like something that had to get done before Big Ten play happened, not just for the sense of consistency there within the team, but also Coach Allen has never struck me as the type of guy that wants any more distractions than already are present in college football around his club. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and I think I think that's what every, every coach wants to have the guy. They want to have that guy that they know is, you know, above the others and, and can handle the job and, and will do it in a tremendous way. But at the same time, you always want to have somebody there that's really close in the same evaluation. And oftentimes there aren't too many teams in the country that have two of that kind of caliber. So uh, in this particular case, and, and look, they're both redshirt freshmen. So these guys are not battle-tested. Even though they've been through two games now, they played Ohio State. Offense was very conservative. You really couldn't tell anything for either one of those guys. And then they go into the second ball game, and Taven just takes off. And you just feel like this is a positive situation. It's Rather than a negative for either one of these guys, it's a positive. Both these guys know they're capable of being the guy and want to be the guy, and you know that's how competitive they were going into the fall. I don't think there's any question this is a positive, but at the same time, uh, right now they're still young, and you've got to expect that they're going to make some mistakes. And, and Taven's not any different than Brendan in that category because these guys went back and forth almost every other day uh, having a really good or a not-so-good practice. So I think that's the big, the big key that we're talking about. How are things impacted if slash when Dexter Williams gets cleared? Well, we'll see how it goes because that's – it's going it's gonna to depend on how good the quarterback that's in there is. And David Jackson right now is the guy. He looked really good on Saturday against a lesser team in Ohio, in uh, Indiana State. But when Soresby came in the ball game, he also did a nice job. It wasn't like he was uh, chopped liver out there, you know what I mean? He, yeah. he did a nice job. And I, I, I'm just glad they've got two guys that they really feel good about. And even though Taven has won that spot, if something should happen, you know you've got somebody waiting in the wings that may have just as much talent. Don, you know what I like is I like any time that a guy, you know, gets maybe his first real opportunity, and, and I know that this guy had opportunity last year, but when a local guy and a guy that, that people around here might have seen play in high school is able to step out for, whether it be Indiana, Purdue, any local school, and and really show what they can do, I always enjoy that. And I thought uh, Omar Cooper Jr. was sensational against Indiana State. It, is that that's what a young quarterback needs? Is a guy that can become a safety net every game, reliable receiver for them to go to. Was that game potentially anomaly, or is that what was expected of him over the course of the year? Well, from what I have seen, and I've seen Omar. I saw Omar play last year, or at least I saw him in practices last year. Uh, never really got much of an opportunity, 
But I watched that guy last year, and now I've seen him in practices and scrimmages this year. He makes a lot of plays with his hands. He is really talented, a great athlete, and he understands exactly what he's supposed to be doing out there. He did not let me down in any way, shape, or form because I thought when Cam Camper went out of the ball game, I thought, well, this is a real negative unless somebody comes in off the out of that uh, wide receiver room and really steps up. They gave Omar the opportunity, and I was not surprised that he did step up because I've seen him do this in practice. He makes tough catches. He makes catches that are over the shoulder where he's turning around at the last instant before the ball gets there and makes the grab. I just like what I see in this kid. I think he's going to be special. Donovan McCulley also had a really good game. Donovan and Omar were teammates. In fact, McCulley was throwing the ball when he and uh, Omar played together uh, as the quarterback at, at uh, Lawrence North. So you've got you've got some real uh, you got three guys you know that are right from Central Indiana, Indiana and Indianapolis, the Greenwood and Franklin area. Uh, that obviously these guys are all special in their own way. And now you've got guys that are local that really can draw in people as well. That the fan base, you know, is loving this, especially in people from Indianapolis and the surrounding area. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So to piggyback off that, Don, give me another, whether it be player or just unit. And I know, again, you know, two games does not a season make, right? But they're pretty good. You can get start to get indications of trend. Uh, an area for Indiana this year that you have been pleasantly surprised, a core or a group that has played better than what you expected going into the year? Well, uh, going into the year, I, I wondered about the running back room a little bit because we saw – in my opinion, the best running back in the group last year not get much playing time, and that was Josh Henderson. Uh, I, I thought every time he played last year, he made something happen, but he just never got very many reps in any ball game that he played um, because of Sean Shiver's presence there. And, and, of course, they tried to incorporate Jalen Lucas a little bit too. But And I thought, well, if they, if they would switch Jalen Lucas to a slot receiver position just to give him more opportunities out in the open field – uh, that might be a good thing, but they've got him as a running back along with Josh Henderson, Christian Turner, who's shown in brief amounts of time that he's played thus far that he is a talented running back as well. And then Trent Holland is just a big, strong, physical-type runner, 6'2", 6'3", 240 pounds, and he can pound you, and you've got that kind of back as well. And then on top of that, with, with Turner, and Turner's kind of the combination of a Jalen Lucas and a Josh Henderson combined. He can do both, get, take it up inside. I just think that the running back room is the second best position group that we have right now on this football field based on what I've seen thus far. Some other group may step up as the season rolls along, but honestly, those two groups right now tell me that Indiana has as much talent in the skill positions as they've had for a long time. Don, we know that 
Tom Allen prides himself on his defenses, and they were often, you know, big, big parts of where trips to bowl games were early on in Tom Allen's tenure. Ohio State, there were positive marks there, and I know it's tough to get a real evaluation when they outmatched Indiana State from Jump Street on Friday night. Is it going to be into the meat of the Big Ten schedule before we really get an identity of, wow, these are back to the level of defenses that Tom Allen had in his early years here? I'm not so sure that we won't that we won't know that after this game with Louisville, uh, Jimmy. I, I I think this game with Louisville is going to be really important. I, I think it's a, a game that Indiana can win if they play up to their potential and their best, and it's also a game that if they get beat and it's a significant loss of some kind from a point standpoint, that things could start to spiral negatively. And I say that only because it's Indiana. I mean, for years we've seen them have a really good ball game and then come out the next day or the next game and lay an egg, and, and uh, especially when you expect them uh, to be better. And I, I have great expectations right now for this football team based on what I've seen thus far because I do think that the defense is better. I think that this defense can be really good. The defensive line is much better than it has been over the last several years. Uh, the linebackers are really good, and I think the defensive backs have proven that they're capable as well. But again, we haven't seen them you know, on a consistent basis at this point because there are a lot of new faces back there. So right now, I think it's all up in the air in many respects, but I do think that this Louisville ball game on Saturday is going to tell us a whole bunch about what we can expect the rest of this season. Don, with each um, person that's called in the, the show – since this show became named Query and Company, uh, I've decided that the company uh, is not just the company of those of those of us in the studio, but the, the people listening to the show. I, I want them to feel part of the show. They're part of the company, right? My goal in life is for someone to stop me and say, "Hey, Jake, I'm part of the company," right? And then and then I say, "Oh, well, what do you do?" And they say, "Well, I'm the official, uh, you know, carpenter of the company." Okay, great. So that we're going to make you. You are the official. You're the president of broadcast um, play-by-play communications for for the company, Don, because you're the first play-by-play guy we've had on. Um, but I'm curious. If you had not gone into the route of radio play-by-play or radio in general, you most likely would have done what for a living, and as a result, you would have been actually what division of the company of Query and Company? Um, I would have been a factory worker, and I would probably be the last guy you'd ever want to talk to. Okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, we need I'm, distribution centers for the company. I, I don't think we could argue that. Don Fisher, <laughs> union president of the Aquarian Company, right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Trust me, I wouldn't be a union president either because I don't like unions. That's, <laughs> that's right. Well, that would have been that might have been an issue in the factory, Don. I mean, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. you, well. Trust me, I could have got fired from any job that I would apply. <laughs> it would have been it would have been more than just we who didn't want to talk to you if you were in the you were the, the, the union holdout in the factory, right? <laughs> so trust me, the good Lord takes care of fools and idiots, and I'm a comfortable platter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, look forward to talking to you after the Indiana Louisville game, but have a great week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, Don Fisher joining us here on the program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Final hour. Monday after the Colts fall to Jacksonville Jaguars here on Query and Company. Joining us now, one of our favorites. You know him as a part of the Colts radio network and, of course, a former Colt in his own right. Joe Wright's nice enough to take some time with us. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, good to be on here this afternoon. And, yeah, it's rare. I usually don't do anything Mondays because the Monday night Colts roundtable at 6 o'clock tonight we'll be doing live. I thought, you know what? It's a new show. Help you guys out. Week one got a lot of thoughts, so I'm going to give a little appetizer to what I'm going to share tonight if that works. Love it. I absolutely love it. So, Joe, um, I'll just do it this way then. Go. Give me your the one thing that, like, when you were watching the game, you thought, I can't wait to get this off my chest. Well, I think the biggest thing and the most important thing is Anthony Richardson. And clearly, 10 for 40 with his legs, had some dynamic plays. They didn't run him as much. And obviously, we couldn't get anything going with Deion Jackson or running back game. I'll touch on that. But 24-37, his accuracy in the passing game was better than I thought. Those were his biggest question marks. He did have the one turnover. But I thought overall, if you had told me, what are your expectations for week one, 21-year-old Anthony Richardson, third youngest quarterback ever, he exceeded them on Sunday, and honestly, I know the Colts lost by 10. There's a lot of disappointing things, but that was the biggest positive for me. Joe, we know it's not sexy, but it matters, particularly with the development of a young quarterback. The main takeaway on the Jaguar side is career high in sacks for Josh Allen. How did you feel the offensive line performed over the course of that game yesterday? I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well individually. I thought Ryman, who left tackle, the biggest question mark, held up well on that 39-yard screen to Pittman. He really had a key block with uh, Kylan Granson that took it to the house. I think we struggled schematically a little bit. They got down on a bare defense, so a bare defense is the center's covered up, both guards are covered up. And when you have those three inside guys covered, that's really hard to run the inside zone running scheme, which we did a lot of and do a lot of. And teams did this to us last year. Generally, when you have that, you're either going to say, okay, you're going to cover everybody up and have eight guys in the box. We're going to throw it on first down, or we're going to run some sort of gap scheme or power scheme where you block everybody down, pull a couple blockers. So I'll be interested to see how Jim Bob Cooter and Shane Steichen Correct that from week one to week two because we know the NFL is a copycat league. And when people talk about Deion Jackson, he had a rough day, obviously. The two fumbles, you can't have them. But 13 carries for 14 yards, a lot of it he couldn't get going because they just had that bear scheme going with an extra safety down in the box. And they're daring us to either throw it on first down or they're daring us to take advantage and throw the ball outside the numbers, something we didn't do a lot of yesterday afternoon. With that, Joe – you played in the league long enough you would know this answer at the beginning of an NFL season with every season which side of the football is more responding to the other in other words should offenses right now kind of be ahead of defenses and defenses have to eventually get tape on offenses and then you know figure it out on how to slow down, say, an Anthony Richardson? Or is it the other way around? Is it that defenses are created, the ones that are coming up with looks of which teams are totally unfamiliar, and offensively speaking, the outset of the season is the challenge? Yeah, I would say usually defenses are ahead of offenses because defense fly around, find the ball. And if you have – 10 guys that fall asleep on a play and one guy makes a heroic effort, that could be a good defensive play. Counter, if you have 10 guys that play great on offense and one guy doesn't do their job, the play can break down. And so I have to remind myself to think, 
if you're Shane Steichen, and I thought he did a good job of letting Richardson play free and play fast, one big positive, they only had four penalties overall in the game. It looked like he ran the operation well. No huddle, in and out of the huddle. Not really many pre-snap penalties. I thought that was a big positive. But think, if you're Shane Steichen, you're going to really limit the playbook going into a game. Why? Because it frees him up to play fast and not have to think too much. And so for me, all of these contingency plans I'm talking about, if that's something you didn't necessarily rep during the week or you understand if the playbook is 100 pages long, so to speak, you might have had 15 to 20 going into this game. And I think every week we should see a little bit more of that where by the end of the season, our offensive attack is much more diverse. But you got to make sure that you're not giving too much too early because if you're thinking all the time as a quarterback, you're not playing and reacting and doing the things that he does best. Joe, it's one game, and I get that it's one game, right? So our job is to overreact probably, right? No doubt. But Everybody's either in the Super Bowl or their team's going to go 0-17 on the, the Monday <laughs> after the first you're, NFL you're, game. No, you're right. That's correct. But uh, having said that, in terms of, you know, Anthony Richardson has, and I know this is a buzz term, he's got arm talent. There's no doubt. He's got a cannon, right? In terms of the Colts' inability to, to, to really, or even to, to go towards testing and uncorking that arm with a, a long vertical game, is that most attributed to A, the Colts don't have yet receivers that were able to get separation, B, they don't have Jonathan Taylor there to kind of keep defenses honest, so defenses were like, we can just drop back. Um, or or C, I guess just the the overall scheme of not necessarily testing Richardson at this point and letting him kind of get rhythm before you go there. Yeah, I think it's more B and C. I think you know for me it's the skill positions a little bit. You know, if you're Pittman and Pierce, Delani Woods isn't playing, it was probably our best deep ball threat from that tight end position. You know, the explosiveness you know from the skill positions is something that I thought did not show up on tape. And then, again, you factor in uh, Deion Jackson as your starting running back and Jonathan Taylor still on PUP and Zach Moss being hurt. I know Moss practiced a little bit but didn't get to go. You know, we just didn't necessarily have, you know, our top guys there as a running back. So, again, I think schematically, you know, you can do stuff and you can change week to week, but you also have to just win your one-on-one battle. And that's something that I didn't necessarily think we did as well on the outside um, with our wide receivers. Off the top of your head, Joe, how many NFL games did you start as a lineman where you had a quarterback that you were blocking for that you had not yet blocked for in a game previously? Let's say, what, five maybe? Something like that? Yeah, not a lot. I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind is when we won a game with uh, Josh Freeman and Ryan Lindley. We had two quarterbacks the last game of the season in 2015. One ran the regular offense, one ran two minutes. But usually you block with them. But I think to your point, maybe you're getting at Jake, is the guys will continue in real-life situations with Richardson to understand him and his tendencies Correct. more. And I think that will only make the Colts better when you realize, okay, this is what's going on, this is the play call, but this might be how he improvs. And again, it's week one. We want to overreact, but at the end of the day, we lose the game 31-21. to 21. You can look at three stats, and you could probably look at these three stats all year. Turnovers, we had three, we were minus one. Third down and fourth down, we were 3-12 of 12 and 1-5. of five. Critical downs were 4-17, were of 17. and red zone, we were 1-3. of three. And most NFL games at the end of the day, you could close your eyes and not watch a second of anything. You look at those three stats, it's probably going to lead you to the winner, and that's what it did yesterday with Jacksonville. So critical situations, we got to be better. The one that disappointed me the most was short yardage. A couple third and ones, we get stuffed. 
the fourth and one QB sneak play, we get nothing. We got to be better short yardage, critical situations, because that just kills the drive and, and loses all the momentum. What's the area where you were most pleasantly surprised? Maybe an area, Joe, that you you thought, man, I did not see that coming at all, that you thought was more positive than you would have guessed going in. Yeah, I, I think A, Richardson. I think B, I thought our young corners and secondary really battled. I mean, they got some really talented guys over there. And I thought overall our secondary really, really battled. You know, defensively, I really feel like we played well enough to win the game for the most part, but we did have those couple breakdowns in the fourth quarter. And to me, the game flipped on that punt return. It's 21 to 17. We got first and 10 at the 48 yard line. We go three and out and then we punt the ball. They return it for 50 Agnew down the sideline. They score interception. They score. And so you could look at the positive side, glass apple and say, Hey, the defense in the fourth quarter, those two touchdowns, the drives are both less than 50 yards, right? And special teams hurt them, and the offense put them in a bad position. But the good teams, the really good teams, the great teams, they find a way to buck up and hold those guys to field goals. So our fourth quarter woes on defense continued a little bit. But I thought overall defensively, especially the secondary, impressed me that those guys battled against a really talented receiver core and played pretty well. And then Buckner was a monster inside. And Zaire Franklin, I mean, everybody knows, everybody else stopped on that play. But Zaire Franklin, his savviness, and he had 18 tackles. I mean, put a star on him, too. He, he had a phenomenal game from that linebacker position. Joe, you already mentioned this a couple minutes ago, but I want to dive deeper into it because we know it's overreaction Monday, but Shane Steichen owned this, and, and I'm sure there's there's reasons for where there could be optimism or how it can be resolved. But you mentioned the struggles on third down and fourth down, and in particular, short yardage. I'm sure it's a combination of all of these, but how much of that is the lack of I know one game sample size, but the lack of consistency with the running back room slash where the playbook is and Anthony Richardson's first start trying to ease him into things. Yeah, I think it's more probably the playbook. And I think if I'm coaching a 21-year-old rookie, I'm probably going to err on the side of putting less in than more because generally it's an old adage. I think it's probably attributed to Bobby Knight. I've heard him say it, but the, the more you think, the slower your feet are. And you want guys to be able to go in there and play fast no matter what they do, even if you have a 10% of your overall playbook. So I would expect that to continue to move week to week. And, hey, you always make your most improvement in the NFL from week one to week two in the season. It's a real game, you know, 75-plus plays. you got real reps, and now you got film to watch, and you got film on Houston. So I'm excited for week two because I really think this is a very uh, winnable game. I think on paper we're the better team against Houston. I think, you know, if we play them on a neutral site, you know, we would be favored in Vegas. And I, I think that it's something that's going to – everybody's going to talk about these two quarterbacks in the matchup. I, I will say I'm glad we got Richardson because I think Stroud's ceiling is much lower. And I think even week one, I thought that just the poise that uh, Anthony had there in the pocket overall, again, it, it impressed me more than I thought I would. And that's been a that's been a repeat line I've been playing in my head. He has continued to impress me more and more than I thought I would. And I think that's just a great sign for the Colts and long-term the future of this franchise. Joe, I've made the analogy before. I've had this recurring dream for like 20 years where I get a tryout for like an NBA team. And I know that I have no business being out there. But like I just get in the zone and I hit like 10, 12 straight shots. And I just keep making cuts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually going to make this team. And no one but me seems to be unaware, seems to be aware of the fact I'm not supposed to be here, right? Like Anthony Richardson feels to me like so far 
he's the one guy that hasn't grasped that he's not supposed to be starting at quarterback at the age of 21 in the National Football League. He just, each time that I think the moment might finally be big for him, he seems very composed, and that seems rare. Uh, am I giving him too much credit here? No, I, I don't think so. I think that's a great analogy. He, he just continues to impress and get better, and everybody, I think the narrative is, well, he's 21, he's young, he only had 14 starts. How good could he be? How good experience could he be? Yeah, he lacks the experience, but he, he clearly has some innate qualities, some some leadership qualities, the intangibles, whatever you want to call it, that the Colts saw. And, and I continue to be impressed with him and just his operation. When you just watch him just navigate the offense and lead them, I mean, going back to the first preseason game, go, running no huddle and having no pre-snap penalties, getting everybody lined up. So it showed me that his mental capacity is high, and they'll be able to continue to add with him. And I was telling somebody yesterday, you know, it, it might be a tough season for the Colts overall. you got a young talent. You know, you just you look at the Colts roster matching up from other teams across the league. But what you want to see more than anything is Richardson get better week one to week two to week seven to week 12 and know that he's your long-term quarterback of the future. I think if you do that, you know, despite what the record might be, that probably is the ultimate measure of success with this team and the long-term health of this franchise. Joe Wrights is our guest, of course, the former Colt and member of the Colts Radio Network, talking about yesterday's game with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joe, I was um, in Monterey for the IndyCar finale. I took a red-eye flight back last night, which red-eyes are like whiskey. They're a good idea at the time. The next day, you're wondering what the hell you did. Um, so I got a total of, I don't know, a couple of hours of sleep on the plane and then a little nap when I got home. Did not sleep well is my point. So my question for you is this. Give me two players on the Colts roster or two members of the organization in some way, shape, or form that probably got the same amount of sleep as I did last night because it was a rough day and they probably were tossing and turning thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, the one that comes to mind is Deion Jackson. I mean, again, he didn't have hardly any yards running the ball. And again, some of that's the offensive line blocking better and schematically like I talked about earlier, but that two fumbles, two critical situations, give away two possessions. I mean, that just absolutely kills you. And then the second one I would say is uh, special teams coach uh, Mason, you know, came over from Notre Dame. It's his first NFL game. And again, that was kind of a fluke play, how that bounced. But special teams is an area with a team like this and the Colts roster, you know, that might not be as good on paper as some of the other teams you're going to play. You have to win those hidden yards. You have to win special teams. Special teams often not talked about, right, by anybody, but is an important part of the game. And we gave them 46 on a return to Agnew that really flipped that game. I mean, if we have – they have first and 10 on their own seven-yard line, they're backed up, who knows how their trajectory of this game would have been. Special teams has got to be an area that we can win week in, week out. So those would probably be the two guys that would come to mind for me. I'll tell you, Joe, one guy that never ceases to really impress me because of – sometimes you see guys that are just naturally gifted. And because they're naturally gifted – they, I'm not going to say they take plays off, but their motor can can maybe level off a little bit. Now you talked about Zaire Franklin, who's a that's every team needs a Zaire Franklin, every team, and regardless of sport, every team needs a Zaire Franklin. But I'm really impressed by DeForest Buckner because here's a guy that was in San Francisco, gets traded here, kind of sees a rebuild before his eyes. I could understand why maybe he would say, "Look, you know, like Stephon Gilmore did, I you know send me somewhere that's a contender." Um, but he doesn't slow, and and he seems to be 
the perfect lead-by-example guy in terms of setting the tone for a young team that needs someone to look towards. Would you agree with that assessment? I would agree. Pros, pro. I'm glad you brought him up because had the Colts won this game, the narrative would have been Buckner's game-changing play when Zaire Franklin won the game, right? And that's the reality, but we lost. And so we're focused on some of more of the negative things just naturally. Yeah, Buckner's a guy that week in, week out, you can count on him. And I agree. He's a guy that plays hard no matter what uh, the situation is and whether it's week one or whether, you know, it's week you know, 15 and the Colts have lost five in a row like they did down the stretch last year. So he's a – He's a great leader in there. And Emmett Grover, Grover Stewart, that's a dynamic tandem inside. You know, I think that's the least of your worries on defense. You know, to me, it's a little bit, and I know Quiddy Pay had a sack, but a little bit more. How much edge pressure can we get? Because that does concern me with all the good quarterbacks we're going to play. How much edge pressure can we get? Because you can't cover forever, and that pass rush and secondary defense in the pass are tied hand in hand. Joe, the big soundbite, non Colts division, but featured among Colts Jags postgame quotes was from Trevor Lawrence and in his comments about Anthony Richardson he gave a ton of praise for the rookie quarterback and it being a tough spot but the one that made the rounds was what he said to him after the game and I'm sure you saw the quote but he said I said great game he made some unbelievable plays but just try to protect yourself the hits add up in this league and they are a little different than in college now I don't want to particularly after game one of overreaction Monday to try to you know cage the unicorn that Anthony Richardson might be able to develop but did you feel any similar reactions or or vibes on that same train of thought as that game wore on not necessarily but I think it's a combination of three things one it's how many design QB runs do you have two it's a matter of Richardson deciding you know mentally how many times am I going to take off in the pocket and maybe take a hit versus throw it out of bounds and then three I call it the Marvin Harrison rule. Nobody was better, in my opinion, watching with, with two real live eyes than Marvin Harrison avoiding hits. And there's a big difference in Richardson taking off, scrambling, and sliding and getting five yards versus taking off and lowering his shoulder break, you know, taking two defenders on and having a lot of content getting eight yards. And I think finding the balance for him, when is it fourth and one in game on the line, and when is it something like, A, I can throw the ball away and punt and live to fight another day, or I can slide, and if I come up short of the first down, I do. And I think that's something, you know, they'll continue to coach him up on. Because, agree, you know, if you're going to take 20 hits a game as a quarterback, that's not good for the longevity of you or your contributions to the franchise. Joe, before we let you go, and I appreciate the time today, Joe Wrights is our guest on the hotline talking about the Colts and Jaguars. Uh, interesting thing happened for me about a month and a half ago. And we're going to talk more about this on this program. I don't mean you and I, but I will be on Wednesday. Um, I'll kind of be unveiling the name of a new group, a new organization in central Indiana that has come about um, as a vision to help people and an assistance for people with traumatic brain injuries. And we're going to talk more about it and kind of unveil it all on Wednesday. But when they came to me and asked me if I'd be interested in helping spread this word, I said, well, sure, but, you know, send me some more information. And then they sent me a video to watch talking about the necessity and the assistance for people with traumatic brain injury. And lo and behold, the two spokespeople for that are you and your wife. And I could tell the passion that you had for it. You're a guy that grew up in this area. You went to Hamilton Southeastern. You played for the Colts, obviously. You still, you know, raise your family here. And I could tell what it meant to you to be able to, Uh, to kind of be trusted with helping out people that, quite frankly, are a part of the population that maybe have 
been overlooked in terms of the good that is being done to help people around Central Indiana. Uh, take me through just your motivation for being a part of the awareness for what we're going to talk more about on Wednesday. Yeah, and, and I'll continue and, and not necessarily share the name, you know, and, and keep the tease. Is that what you call on the radio? Sure, that's right. Or till, till Wednesday, but yeah, I think traumatic brain injury is something that there's 100,000 people in the state of Indiana that have been affected by it. And I think, you know, Jill and I's passion is, is we know some people personally that have experienced it. And we also understand, you know, I played nine years in the NFL and, and you understand there's risks involved, right? But how much time and money and energy we devoted to concussion research and the game safer than it's ever been. But you kind of know what you're signing up for when you're playing football. Traumatic brain injury, you, you could be riding your bike, you should could fall off a scooter, you could slip getting out of the shower. And these are people that have lived their whole life in a normal way and been super high-functioning adults and people. And all of a sudden, your life changes in a snap. And you're left with something that makes you almost a shell of yourself. And having the community, having the support, having the, the friends and family around, other people with similar situations that understand what you're going through, there's a one-of-a-kind deal that's happening right here in central Indiana and Indianapolis is going to be a first mover nationally to help people with TBI or traumatic brain injury. It's very cool. And my wife, Jill and I are very passionate about it and glad to be, you know, a a part of the project in a small way being, you know, spokespeople for it. And you know, Joe, when you, when you meet and you hear the motivating story the genesis of how this all came about and you know the caretakers for people with traumatic brain injury uh, that's when you know all you have to do is is meet the people that you and i have met with this and that's where you go i'm all in man what can i do i'm all in and and i'm hopeful that people in this great community are going to be exactly that and i look forward to getting the word out with you starting on wednesday and trying to create as much interest as much awareness i guess is a better way of saying it and of course the funds for it as well so i appreciate you guys being on board with it yeah for sure and you as well jake i really appreciate you and and your time and efforts and it's going to be awesome and yeah look forward to you sharing more uh coming up on wednesday well joe we'll let you get back to work uh with the normal eight to five i appreciate the time today and look forward to talking to you over the course of the season not just about the colts periodically but also about the initiative that will get started on wednesday Awesome. Well, sounds good. Thanks, fellas. All right, we'll see you. That's Joe Wrights again on the hotline.